Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Well, hello, friends. It's another week we've gathered together, and today uh, is a very special Sabbath. Uh, it's Easter weekend, and for me, I, I love this weekend, and I love this story. It's a painful, hard story to read, but there's a lot of good and a lot of things that uh, we sometimes gloss over when we, when we look at the last few days of Jesus. But before we begin, let's begin with prayer. Father, as we take some time now to go into the scriptures, as we study the last three chapters of Matthew, guide and watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story told. Um, I hope I've not told this uh, story, but it's, it's a familiar story that many of us have probably heard in some form. But there was a man who was a truck driver, and he was driving, I believe, in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, one of those big Mack trucks. And as he was driving down the road, he suddenly saw that there was a bridge. And it was a big, a big bridge, but it wasn't that high. And as he got closer and closer, he realized that he wasn't sure that the rig that he was driving was going to make it underneath. He gets close, close, and then he slows down. And then he realizes it's not going to happen because just as he's about to go under the bridge, it was too late. He slammed on the brakes, and fortunately enough, it was just barely wedged underneath the bridge. He got out, and what happens, of course? Traffic. People line up. Uh, for, it, was, it was midday, so it wasn't too bad. But then he tried to think, well, how am I going to get this rig out? It was stuck. He couldn't go move forward or back without doing great damage, not only to the bridge, but as well to the rig. And try to think of all kinds of ways to get it out. Maybe they could try to pull it out with uh, a tow truck. Until finally, a little boy, maybe probably the, about the age of maybe 10, 12 years old, walks up and tells his dad, Hey, Dad, I, I know how to fix this. And his, his dad says, Hey, get back in the car. There's people around. There's lots of traffic. Sit down. Get in the car. But dad, I know how to fix this. He says, son, get in the car. This is for men. Dad, I know how to fix this. So he whispers up into his dad's ear and he tells him. And his dad, it's like he discovered like Einstein the magic of the light bulb. He then goes to the truck driver and he says, sir, I know how we can fix this. Let's take all of the, at least most of the air out of the tires. It will lower the truck and the rig, and you'll be able to pull forward, and then we'll try to reinflate it. So they went out. They lowered the air pressure in the tires. man was able to drive successfully, barely. There was a few scrapes here and there, but he was able to get underneath the bridge. And as the father thought about all of this, he realized, man, how stubborn he had been. If he'd just been a little bit more humble, he could have listened to his son and the problem would have been solved so much faster. 
Well, when it comes to the last three chapters of Matthew, the one common theme that I see in this passage is humility. Humility. In Matthew 26, we find that the establishment, as it was known, decided the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled at Caiaphas' place. And it's there that they decided that they needed to get rid of Jesus. But not during the festival, they said, or it would cause a riot. So they waited. Jesus was a marked man. However, along, along the way, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman comes into the home and she begins to uh, pour an alabaster jar, a very, very, very expensive perfume on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw that, they get upset and their, their primary thinking is, why is she wasting so much perfume? And i.e., why so much money? Why so much resources pouring it all on Jesus' head when that money, all of that money she had spent on this alabaster jar of perfume could have gone to the poor? And Jesus points out, I had intentionally uh, was planning on focusing on Mary Magdalene, but as I was reading this story, I realized that there's another hero. And in the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about unexpected heroes in the Bible. This unknown woman, we don't know who she is. At least Matthew does not state who this woman is exactly. But Jesus, he says, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. He points out, the poor you will always have, but you will not always have me. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. And I'm sure some of the disciples are thinking, dude, what is he talking about? He said, truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And today, many, many, many years later, her story is shared and she wasn't anybody special that we know of. It was just a woman who, who came in and wanted to express her love and the grace that God had given to her. And as well, it was also a signal of things to come, Jesus' death. It's here as well that then one of the twelve, Judas, he goes to the chief priests and he tries to ask them, hey, what would you be willing to give to me if I deliver him over to you? And so they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And it was there that Judas watched for an opportunity to hand over Jesus to the authorities. Interestingly, what happened, we sometimes try to take the gospel into our own hands, but we forget God in that plan. Bad things happen. And it's here then, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus asking, where do you want us to prepare the feast? And so Jesus sends them. And as they're reclining at dinner, as they're eating, Jesus makes this horrible, shocking statement that he points out, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And if you study the Greek, it was a very visceral reaction 
all of the disciples except for one are asking, who is this? Who, who could it? Is it, is it me? It, it shot them straight to the heart. Yet nobody asked, well, was it Judas? We find later that Judas recognizes his own plan and he goes off to get the chief priests and the elders. And then Jesus makes another shocking statement where he says, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it was written, I will strike the shepherd and the, she- the shepherd of the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've given, after I have risen, I will get ahead, go ahead of you into Galilee. So Jesus not only tells the disciples that you're going to betray me, you're going to abandon me, but yet after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. When we read the script, when we read the story of Jesus, especially when he dies on the cross, all of the disciples, save for John or the beloved disciple, flee. We don't really hear much. And then Peter makes a bold statement and he says, if even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And Jesus responds with this, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me not once, not twice, but three times. When we look at the life of Jesus and how he lived his whole life, it was that of a humble servant. And, and Peter, this lesson took him a long, hard time to learn. I love Peter, though, because despite Peter's bravado, maybe we would also say arrogance, he was always down for the cause. He was always willing to go out. He stepped out of the boat to get out of the boat to walk to Jesus. He was always the first, one of the first people to go. And it's good to have that enthusiasm. But we also have to temper it with humility, the ability to listen, to think. And then we find later that Jesus then goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's here that he begins to pray to the Father and he takes uh, his disciples and he asks them to pray but what happens? They want to sleep. But yet he says, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. When we talk about humility in Jesus, Jesus, even to the night before, was struggling. And yet he still says, Not my will, but your will be done. How often are we truly willing to want to put our lives in God's hands? Because if we're being honest, we don't want to lose control. We don't want to, we want to make sure that we're comfortable. We want to make it easy. But Jesus, in his example, he says he took the harder, more faithful path and the trust in God. And yet, as he's praying, his soul is overwhelmed. Yet, he follows God's plan. When he gets up and he goes to the disciples, he actually points out, rise, let us go. And here comes my betrayer. And here we find that Jesus now is arrested. And he's taken 
So I'm sorry, I forgot to point out. The humility is a key attribute of Jesus' disciples. Not necessarily past, but now especially in the present. Jesus calls us to be humble. So Jesus, faithful to God's calling, he, he goes, he see, he's arrested. And it's here that his very, one of his very own disciples, Judas, betrays him with a kiss. He's taken before the Sanhedrin. He's, he's arrested. He's, he's brought before Caiaphas. And he is, he is falsely imprisoned. He's falsely accused. He's beaten. He's broken. And, you know, when we, when we look to Easter and when we think about the story, we've, we focus a lot on the first half of Jesus, of how he was broken. He was battered. And all of that, of course, when we look at the Old Testament as well, was predicted. Peter himself, Peter himself disowns Jesus in his own fear. Now, we find in, in uh, chapter 26, verse 69, Peter now was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But then what does he do? He denies it. One of the things that we find as well is that fear. Fear takes hold of us, especially in our thoughts. When we keep thinking about things, we sometimes tend to amplify it. But what I would say is do not fear even when it seems that all is lost. Because in the minds of the disciples, here is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is supposed to come. And especially in Matthew's gospel that was written to the Jews. The Jews for many years had been waiting for a Messiah to come. And especially at this time to overthrow the Roman government so that they could be their own people and that God would reside here on earth. But yet the Messiah, the rabbi, what is he doing? Why is he letting them take him to jail to be placed before Caiaphas. They all knew the writing was on the wall for Jesus. So they take Jesus, they place him before Pilate. And yet, even in the midst of even when Pilate couldn't find a reason, he bowed down to public pressure. People calling out, yelling and shouting. And if you scream and yell loud enough, with a weak leader, you'll get what you want. Rather than Jesus, they took Barabbas instead to be freed. And we later find as Jesus is taken, they, they, the soldiers mock him. And as we'll find in, in chapter 27, Jesus is placed on a cross. How ironic. The Messiah being crucified. The king of not only just this world, but all of the universe, broken, battered, naked. What kind of God does that? Humility and love. And as Jesus had indicated before, you will all, basically you're all going to be you're all going to be gone. You're all going to be fleeing, except for the beloved who was with Mary 
Jesus' mother, Mary Magdalene, Joseph, and another Mary. In fact, even in the Gospel of John, Jesus points out to the beloved, he now emplaced the care of his own mother into his own hands. Yet where was Peter? Peter denies Jesus three times, and out of guilt and out of shame, he runs. But the beautiful thing is that's not the end of Peter's story in in the book of John. Jesus restores Peter, and that's a story that I look forward to to sharing with you rather uh, soon. But all of the the disciples had fled. They had feared. It seemed that all had been lost because Jesus didn't follow the script. He didn't follow the fact that he was supposed to assert his authority as the king of the world. Instead, he died. There's a story of a salesman who, when he was driving, he had a flat tire and it was raining hard. And he gets out of his car, he goes to the trunk, and he tries to get the lug wrench. And unfortunately, it wasn't there. So he sees up ahead there's a house and there's a light on it that's open on the second floor. And he starts to walk towards the house. And when he gets to the house, sorry, before he gets to the house on the way, he starts to think about how is he going to ask this man. But then he realizes, well, he's probably going to be asleep. But you know what? I deserve to help. I need help. So much so that when he knocks on the door, he doesn't just knock. He goes. And the man inside, he asks, who's knocking on my door, especially at this hour? And rather than having to even go downstairs, the man, the salesman, knocked on the door, who had pounded on the door, says, you know what, I don't need your help and you keep, keep your lug wrench because he had built up in his mind this fear of asking for it and it had simply overtaken that he'd gotten so riled up that before he could even ask, he had already built up that the man would not even give him a lug wrench. Fear. When we're scared, we tend to amplify and we tend to overthink And it's here that the disciples as well, when Jesus, who was a marked man, they as well probably were thinking, I got to save myself. I can't be known. Peter himself, denying Jesus three times, knew that best of all. The crucified Messiah. How ironic. And yet Jesus, even though he could have asserted himself with thousands of angels, chose to go as a lamb. And it's here especially now, the second, on the second day, Jesus, it was Sabbath, he rested. And on the third day, the very important day, because up to this point, Jesus had died, and many people have died. But here is especially what's so important about Easter, and that is... Resurrection. The grave is not the final destination. Because Jesus, though he died, the beautiful thing is he rose. Easter's, Easter, in many ways, would be moot if there was no resurrection. Without resurrection, there is no salvation. Because when Jesus rose, he conquered death, he conquered sin, and he established them. Self, especially as Lord. 
Jesus has the final word. Up to this point that Jesus had died, all of his actions were good. But yet it takes resurrection to see the big picture that Jesus has overcome the world. Now my last point that I would like to to share, and that is of Mary. Mary Magdalene. She and another Mary got up. After Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the other tomb. Who, who is this Mary? Well, Luke 8 mentions that Mary was one of the women who traveled with Jesus and helped him with her and the other ladies' resources. I mean, she probably was a very wealthy woman. And yet, as well, Mary, unlike the disciples, was with Jesus' mother, Mary, and Joseph, Joseph. Uh, as it's stated in the book of John. She did not flee. She was faithful. And it was there in verse 2 of 28, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and the clothes were as white as snow. And the guards, they were so afraid that they shook and they became like dead men. And the angel gave them great news. And it says, don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And he shows them that he's not here. He has risen. Just as he had said, come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going to ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Now I have told you. And so Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they hurried away from the tomb, and yet they were filled not with sorrow, but with joy. The sorrow that they had been experiencing the last couple of days was filled with joy and happiness, and they ran to tell the disciples. And then, yet before they can even get there, Jesus stops them. He says, uh, he suddenly sees them, and he says, Greetings. And they came to him. They clasped his feet and worshipped him, and they said to him, Do not be afraid. Go and tell. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will See me. Now, as if you were a Jew reading or listening to this story, some of you would be taken aback because just like we had studied in December, in Jesus' genealogy, there are four, actually five women uh, listed in Jesus' genealogy. And as we discovered, that was very unusual. Because especially in this case, women at the time would not have been considered as witnesses. Their social standing was lower than that of men. And yet, who does Jesus reveal himself to first? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And he goes and he tells them, don't be afraid, tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They were the first to report to the disciples that Jesus had risen and overcome death, i.e. as well, this gospel is not just for a select few. This gospel is for everybody. And all Jesus simply says is to go and to tell. Even in our lives, even what seems like our humble, normal lives, even Jesus wants us to be ready to share our testimony, even when we least expect it.
When Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb, they were filled with sorrow and grief. And all of a sudden, Jesus simply turns that whole viewpoint upside down and replaces it with joy. And they unexpectedly have the pleasure and honor of being able to go out to tell the disciples and to tell the whole world that Jesus is alive. Three unknown, three, three women, one unknown, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary. Common people, but yet did uncommon things. A woman whose name we don't know goes and anoints Jesus out of her love and devotion for him. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, faithful to Jesus, present, have the honor of as well being able to lead that song of joy and telling the disciples. All in humility. And their fear is turned upside down, knowing that God is their Savior. God has died for them. God is the eternal. So may we look to these women as examples of humility to not fear. Much like even one thing I also forgot to point out too was it was very brave and courageous of this woman who anointed Jesus. She didn't have to, but she took a chance. In our lives as disciples, not only must we be humble, but we must not be afraid. And we can take hope and power that our God is a gracious God who loves us, who died for us. And if you want to get to know who this God is, who this Jesus is, please reach out to me. Reach out to one of our our church members, and we will begin this journey with you to discover a God who is faithful, who is loving, and wants to spend the rest of your life together. So may you have a wonderful weekend. Despite all the challenges that we may be facing, take hope, take courage in our loving Savior. And may we gather together as a united family as you're watching uh, on a screen. May you take heart that Jesus has overcome the world. Grace and peace. God, thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, may we not forget the examples of the unknown woman, Mary Magdalene and Mary. God, help us to be faithful and true to you, to not fear and to be humble. And that, Lord, as well, may we be ready to share the good news at all times. And, Lord, as well, come soon. And all the things that are surrounding us, the darkness, Lord, may you shed light and also help us to be beacons of light and salt to those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take care. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.